All right. You ready, you little diva? I'm ready. <laughs> I'm not a diva. I have sciatic pain. Uh-huh. She just needs her little pillow. I do need my little pillow. It would be even nice if I had a pillow for the back, but you know, we can't ask for too much. <laughs> Support us on Anchor <laughs> so we can afford a pillow for Nika's back. Mistakes. Is this our first time recording with you as a blonde? Yes, it is. Can everyone hear the difference? <laughs> Can you guys hear the difference in my voice? Just a new allure. <laughs> We're just two blondes. All of my friends are being like um, almost so complimentary of how hot I look right now. That, <laughs> that you're like, oh no, do I actually look bad in there being... No, no. <laughs> I'm just like, was I not hot before? Oh, oh, oh. Like, no, no, no. Is Definitely it not. that night? I mean, I know it's like night and day, but I'm like, okay, enough. I got it. No, I... <laughs> Honestly, think you look exactly the same amount of hot Thank with both you. hair. I appreciate I, it. I think the reason I have been so complimentary is because I can tell how much you love it. Oh yeah, I didn't and I mean just want to like hype you up. Oh yeah, no, I didn't mean you either. Um, the other, the other. I mostly meant Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> the other members of the uh, of the family of the sexy Scooby Gang of our incestuous family. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> well. You know? So being queer is all about... That is uh, what being queer is all about. Being queer is also all about um, wearing a see-through um, wife beater tank top. I know we're not supposed to call it that, but it is what it know, is. It's what it's called, like whatever. Um, on a date <laughs> that we're not calling a date, but we're hanging out. But yes. we... <laughs> okay, we're... Okay. Well, let me run this by the pod, and by the time it comes <laughs> out, it will have already happened. But you tell me, um, we've been openly flirting with each other on twitter yes and in our private texts yes and just like around people and around everyone whenever <laughs> we're around people but every time we're together we are so platonic it hurts <laughs> and then but but like this week we've been like okay it's happening mm-hmm. uh and then we decided to hang out by going to the movies which could be a date if we didn't already have all this history but i'm like shouldn't we go to each other's house at this point if the plan is to yeah but i guess like going to a movie is cute it is yeah it'll be fine what movie are you seeing we're gonna go see um all the shorts that were nominated for an oscar oh cute yeah nighthawk okay nice (sighs) and you know what if we just end up being just friends, that's fine because that's what being queer is all about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being queer is I'm um, making out with one of your friends that you thought you had a crush on since you've known them, and then, and then finding out, out and being like, "Oh, you're actually my brother yeah. slash son." <laughs> that is, <laughs> you are my brother's son. That is literally what what it is all about. Yeah. About, but also being like, but I would still fuck you. Yeah, and yeah. I probably will. and I probably will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Kiwi. <laughs> I know that you're trying to um, have a bisexual awakening. And um, this is your wake up call. (laughs) (laughs) Ring, ring. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We gotta stop just sighing in unison. Um, Listen, spring has sprung in New York City and we are so horny for all of our friends. And that's just what we're going to keep talking about on the pod. I got invited to a rave at 5 a.m. So New York is officially back. Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) New York is back in a big Big way. way. (laughs) I'm going.
going to Nighthawk with a crush. Yeah, so New York back. is back. Um, and we're and we have active plans to leave New York again. So New York is back. Yes. <laughs> we're going camping in North Carolina. That's how you know New York is back. Oh, I can't wait. Oh my god, me neither. It's gonna be such a treat. Such a treat. Yeah. I'm just uh yeah, I'm just excited to be um horny in the woods with a bunch of new people. Same, me too. <laughs> just so many drugs in the woods and cute little Lukes. So many drugs and so many cocks. <laughs> Lots of dicks and cocks. <laughs> <laughs> that are quote unquote gay, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Some of them are queer leaning, so you know. And that's and that's all I want. That's what it's all about. Um, okay. So that's kind of enough about <laughs> where we're at, right? Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'll probably talk about it more in my keepsakes, TBH, and my mistakes, and even maybe my hot takes. Shall we dive right in? We should dive right in. Mistakes, keepsakes, and hot takes. My keepsake, uh, just this weekend in general, it was fun. Um, as we just said, New York is really back. It's spring. <laughs> um, it's spring. Everyone's vaccinated. Yeah, everyone's getting vaccinated. So there's like a new lease on life kind of feeling in the air. Um, I guess definitely just like last night, making out with my friends was fun. <laughs> um, uh, to be kissed on the mouth again. Yeah, like literally the my the keepsake is that I got to put the tweet, I can't wait to kiss my friends on the mouth once we're all vaccinated. Like got to put that into actual you action. Got to manifest I got it. to manifest it. <laughs> um, it was very much that. Um, yeah. And then we... We left the party at like 5 a.m. and then went back to our friend Kiwi's without Kiwi. And um, four of us just fell asleep cuddling on the couch, which was very cute. Love. Yeah. Little Molly cuddle puddle. So that's my keepsake. My mistake. I definitely just spent way too much money on Poshmark this week. (laughs) Um, Give us a number. Of how much I spent? Yeah. A few hundred. I mean, nothing. Yeah. Nothing like a thousand or more. A few hundred, though. Definitely just too much. Though I, like, literally made it back immediately on OnlyFans, so it's mm. fine. But I need to, like, slow it down. <laughs> I just can't help it. I love clothes. I, know. I got Prada sunglasses for 70 bucks. I got... Is it Mew Mew? Is that how you say it? I don't... Moo Moo? Yeah, okay. I got Mew Mew boots for originally 1100 I got them for 150 mm-hmm. So... I know. I have more Versace in my <laughs> closet than I ever have. And I'm like, it was... Because the, they all were a deal. Like, yeah, exactly. They were all, like, very cheap for what they... For Versace. But I'm like, I did overall spend probably the same amount as on just one new Versace piece. Yeah, same. That's pretty much same. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, what? Yeah. That's not actually a deal. I know. And, like, all of my friends are fucking manic fashionistas. So, like, no one has been talking me off the oh, ledge. No. You send me a link and I'm like, yes, get it. Yeah, same. <laughs> In fact, I've been sending you stuff that you yeah, should you get. Have. And I'm like, that's actually rude of me to do. But we're, I love buying clothes because I think this is the root of most shopping addictions is like picturing the life that you're going to live in these clothes. Exactly. It feels so good. Yeah. You get to be like, who's the person that would wear this? Yeah. And how do I become her? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very that. That's how I've been feeling. Yeah, I'm as just well. trying to be a brat stall this spring and summer. Absolutely. So. I'm just trying to wear um, 
basically my goal aesthetic, like you're going for like Carrie Bradshaw meets Bratstall. <laughs> I'm going for like Alice from the L word meets Carrie Bradshaw, I guess. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I'm trying to basically meet New York and LA in the early 2000s is what I'm trying to do. Yes. Straight women and lesbians because I'm a bisexual, bicoastal queen. <laughs> that's Uh, my goal yeah i'm just trying to be so feminine hot this um summer that gay men are like enthusiastic about wanting to hook up with me yeah because they also want to be me i'm like how do i look so (laughs) (laughs) non-binary slash just also my like i am non-binary not just trying to look non-binary but you know leaning into it so that uh the queers want me (laughs) absolutely one of our friends, uh, one of our gay friends told another one of our queer friends that um, he's questioning his sexuality because of me and that I transcend gender. Oh, that's way who? That's <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, of all the people in the squad, he was not wow. the one I thought yeah, I was going to no. turn. That's so funny. But here we are. I love that. <laughs> and the person that he told? the person that i'm trying to fuck tonight oh amazing (laughs) i love that that's hot yeah (laughs) it is it Um, is hot anyway so mistake poshmark yeah mistake poshmark keepsake making out with friends um what's my hot take oh my hot take is just that um i am like i refuse to engage in uh the discourse surrounding whether or not it's appropriate or problematic to be posting photos of yourself announcing that you were vaccinated, Mm. which has been a big conversation on Twitter. I just think it's so stupid. And obviously I understand where it comes from, which is the fact that healthcare in the system or the healthcare system in this country sucks and the rollout has, has not been equitable. And my hot take is that I just don't, fucking agree and i think it's dumb like i just it, it falls into the same kind of um viewpoint that people have been expressing of like how dare you just because you're getting vaccinated like how dare you be excited to be around people and people are still dying of covid and it's like babe that's life like yeah, how dare you enjoy having sex when people are dying of aids and hiv like the idea that like i like that if you're having fun and you're moving on from what has happened this year that you're like not remembering the mass death that happened is so stupid to me. Yeah, like, that makes no sense. Also, no, I don't. Like, someone was like, oh, and, like, the fact that no one wants to talk about it, it's like, no, I honestly never want to talk about COVID <laughs> ever again once we're all vaccinated. Like, I feel that there is some serious, like, cognitive dissonance that is happening with people who are, like, on this COVID high horse still because it's like... <sighs> Are you like, do you not enjoy the roof over your head, even though there are people that don't that are like experiencing houselessness? Like it doesn't retract from the tragedy that is the system that is failing other people just because you are enjoying the fact that you have like been fortunate enough to not fall victim to it. You know, it's also not you rubbing it in anyone's faces. Yeah. It's uh, whatever. It's stupid. I'm like, there are so many things. There are so many like misfortunes that all of us are lucky enough to not experience. And just because we happen to like these people, have they never posted about going on vacation before or they never posted like a fun like restaurant meal that they've had. Like think of all the people that can't do that because of X, Y, like whatever. 
It's so silly. <laughs> you're it's just... not like discounting those people. No. And also, of course, I'm going to uh, post about being vaccinated. It's exciting. Like, and it's encouraging other people to do it. Yeah. And also, it's just an easy way to let people know that I'm vaccinated. <laughs> and you can now hit me up to hang out if we yeah. haven't been. Like, yeah, that's it. I'm not like, I'm, I'm not going to like exclude like unvaccinated people from my life forever like right. I, i'm not like gonna send them to a fucking like leper's <laughs> island like yeah and it also doesn't mean that just because you're happy about one thing doesn't mean you're not going to advocate for people who don't have that thing yeah. or like th- i mean you of all people have been getting everyone in your life vaccinated yeah, i made like 20 appointments <laughs> yeah uh, that's it's- saving the world <laughs> Where's my Nobel Peace Prize? It's very exhausting, the things that we're expected to, like, be constantly, like, shaping our social media presences around. Yeah. It's, it's like, babe, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, you have no idea what I'm doing or how I feel about something just because I posted a picture saying I'm excited I'm vaccinated. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I don't know. It's so weird. I mean... Even, like, when I lose followers, like, currently for, like, posts, because now I've been posting photos of me hanging out with my friends yeah. because we're vaccinated and I don't care. And yeah. I, like, will lose followers. And it's so funny to me. It's just, like, a very bitter way to live. It's, like, <laughs> people who live that way, I think, are so psychotic. Like, go yeah. outside, take a walk, yeah, find some joy. Yeah, this thing about how, like, if you're going out to eat right now, you're, like evil and oh i'm like God. oh that's still the take that's still what we think about going I out get to over eat. that in like july <laughs> yeah seriously i'm like you can personally choose not to yeah but like most of i mean pretty much everyone i know that works in a restaurant is vaccinated and they're just excited that people are going out to eat because they want money yeah everyone needs to make money right I'm like yeah what? so i'm just like i'm not buying it sorry yeah i'm not either i think it's bullshit but I'm just, like, not here to police anyone's actions, even if I don't agree with them. Like, yeah. the, when it comes to how you're navigating the pandemic. It's and too it's, late. It's too late for that. Yeah, and it's weird that people are still doing it. Now that things are getting better. Like, people, those people are so, like, like in, like, a frenzy to make everyone, like, live in fear. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, you're vaccinated? Well, there are six new fucking COVID variants, like, in New York. It's yeah. like, I'm aware, but can I also be excited that I'm vaccinated? Yeah. Like, also, who are you, Lester Holt? <laughs> like, <laughs> where'd you read that? Pop sugar? Like, yeah. leave me alone. It's just annoying. And the assumption that you're like returning to certain aspects of normality and returning to certain activities, like, that doesn't, that's not indicative of your overall attitude about the pandemic or the precautions that you are taking or have been taking. It's just like people just make these sweeping generalizations. And it's like, did you know that most of the people that you think are doing it right are actually just not posting about what they're doing? Seriously, And like, (laughs) it's too late. It's been over a year and our government absolutely fucked us. Yeah, And it's just not individuals actions anymore and also it's like blaming individuals for climate change yeah and it's also never gonna go away like we're never getting rid of covid once again like climate change (laughs) yeah like it's just so i don't know what people like i don't know what people think is gonna happen if they think that like we're gonna get vaccinated reach herd mentality and suddenly it's just gonna go away because like herd immunity immunity mentality (laughs) herd mentality as well (laughs) yeah herd immunity and um that it's like just gonna magically disappear and it's like, no, no, yeah. that's just not going to happen. So this is just going to be the new normal. Anyway, I'm sick of talking about COVID. I'm sure people mm. are sick of hearing about it. So yeah. 
That's my last COVID hot take, but that was on my mind this week. Yeah, I mean, for for now. I'm not saying we should never talk about it again, because it's like you said, it's not going away. But yeah. whatever. Everyone knows how we feel at this point. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I just want everyone to be safe and happy. And, and to like, kiss their friends on the mouth. And just go get vaccinated, vaccinated and kiss your friends on the mouth. That's <laughs> all. You'll feel so much better, I promise. Um, okay. My mistake steak this week um mm, (laughs) briefly letting those 19 year olds make me feel old (laughs) and uh let's just leave it at that we accidentally came into a contact with a group of teenagers dressed in doll skill (laughs) and um i was like oh my god am i old We're heavily judged for our yeah, outfits. Yeah, they were just, it was weird. I, but also, we both looked so good. Yeah. And I was like, actually, you guys look like shit. I looked so, like, I looked so hot. <laughs> it's fine. Listen, when you're 19, it's your prerogative to look like shit and yeah. think it's fashion. I like, I'm happy for them. I want them to live their truth. Yeah, I do too. But I wasn't the one that was being rude, you know? Yeah. So my mistake was like letting them make me feel bad for a second because, oh my God, literal 19 year olds dressed yep. in Dosco. <laughs> In uh, trip pants and like chunky sneakers. And once again, that's fashionable in its own way. And I'm happy for you (laughs) if you're 19. And just like, don't get, if you are 19 and you're listening to this, first of all, there's, I'm sure there's something that is more interesting for your demographic. (laughs) (laughs) When I look at our demographics on Anchor, it's like 90% is 23 to 27 year olds. And I'm like, I love, I love that we are absolutely hitting our exact demo. Anyway, if you're 19 and you're listening to this and you are wearing your trip pants and your chunky <laughs> sneakers and your weird little crop top that doesn't fit right, I love that for you. I've been there. I cherish the photos. I honestly think for a 19-year-old, that is hot. But don't be a bitch to 25-year-olds that don't want to dress like that. Yeah, don't be mean to me because I'm wearing a fucking hot mini Brandy Melville dress. Like, and because my friend was wearing skinny jeans. Yeah, right, that is alone. true. We were with with someone that was wearing skinny jeans <laughs> and a beanie and a beanie. And listen, they definitely thought we were two like cis straight girls. Yeah, for sure. They were judging us like we were a group of straight girls, which in its own way was so funny to us because yeah. we we're like we're all queer sex workers. <laughs> like <laughs> we have more street cred than any of you do. Okay, and we're on so much coke right now. <laughs> so leave us alone. We've all had w- more gay sex than you can even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> And when you're 25 to 29, you'll also have that um, under your belt, I'm sure. You're much more fashionable belt <laughs> by that time. But you know what that was proof of? What? That New York is back. New York is back. We were bullied by NYU students. <laughs> <laughs> New York is back. Um, so yeah, my mistake was letting that briefly make me feel bad. It was my first time ever feeling old. <laughs> This is yeah, no, same. <laughs> but it was like, I felt old and like a funny, because I like obviously felt bad. But then the part of me that felt old was when I was like, oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But like, then that was so liberating and fun. Yeah. I loved the feeling of realizing I didn't care at all yeah. what they thought. Because, you know, you know how like your brain is sometimes a little bit stuck at basically 19 years old. Yeah. And like, according to a lot of the older people in my life, that's just forever. Like you'll be like 45 and you'll see a group of teenagers and you'll have to remind yourself that you aren't one of them. Yeah. I was having that moment for a second where I like sort of felt like I was one of them. And then the like realization that I wasn't like really 
took me by surprise. And at first that made me feel bad. But then I was like, no, 25 is a fucking hot age. (laughs) And I'm so excited to not be a 19 year old that is judging random people on the street. Mm. That feels so good. It feels great. Because I remember being them. Although I think by 19, I was over that. I was honestly never like that. Only because my friends were always a few years older than me. Me too. I didn't have that like older people are gross Yeah, I thought older people were cool. My friends were like 24 when I was 19. So I thought older people were super cool. One of my best friends when I was 19 was literally 54. Yeah. like, (laughs) And she gave me uh, shrooms for the first time. I I love that. And now I'm really good friends with her daughter who is... Five years younger than me, which makes her 20 right now. And she is what we're just talking about, which is somebody who thinks older people are cool because her friends are older. Yeah. Uh, Get older friends. (laughs) Get older friends. Uh, Your life will be better also because you're just not going to be surrounded by that weird, toxic, judgy energy because older people don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. I've decided 23 is my cutoff for friends. It's the youngest I can go yeah. at this old age of 26. I'm, like, I'm friends with that person that I just mentioned because she's my friend's daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a fun exception because I literally know her because I'm friends with her mom, which makes me feel even older, but in a good way. You know, I'm like, here's my 20 year old friend. She's my friend's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's like way closer to my age than, uh, than her mom is. But Hey, that's the seniority of friendship. Her mom was my friend first. Yeah. We met through comedy for anyone who's like, what the fuck was a 54-year-old doing (laughs) being friends with a 19-year-old? We did stand-up together, and we love each other, okay? Anyway, so that was my mistake. Keepsake, um, hmm, I mean, my keepsake is kind of what your mistake was. I'm just very excited to be like rebuilding from the ground up my like closet and my I, I feel like I've been on this like I've had this project going on since mm-hmm. like the beginning of COVID of like, well, basically since I got an OnlyFans and have the money to be doing it. Yeah. Um, Where, you know, I got a new apartment. I've been decorating that apartment and like making my room feel like more my room than my last room did um I like got all new like towels and bedding and I've just been like slowly upgrading my life um in a it's been expensive overall but I've been doing it slowly enough that it feels like in a you know not psychotic way Mm -hmm. and now I'm doing it with my wardrobe now that it's time to like emerge from our quarantine cocoons yeah I just want new fucking clothes and I want to like look my age yeah. because <laughs> all my clothes are literally from when I was like 21 and I was one of those little <laughs> bitches <laughs> just kidding I'm I wish I wish the best for those kids um but anyway I just like kind of uh I, I definitely did spend too much money this past week because Poshmark is so addicting so addicting the, the offers thing it's it's fucked it's up. fucked up you like you <laughs> press like on a on a like article of clothing that you like and then the seller can give you a like secret private discount on that item if they so choose and some people have given me like 55 percent off yeah. and i'm just like okay purchase yeah. even if i even if it's like not something that i would have bought otherwise yeah had, like it's ridiculous. it's a really good marketing scheme i'm trying to think of like how i can incorporate that into my only fans uh, oh. um like because it just works so well to be like, yeah. this is a secret discount just for you. I'm like, how do I... I should do that on OnlyFans because I've been hitting purchase so fast. But anyway, I'm very excited with all the 
Am I boring you? No, I'm just yelling. I'm trying to hide it. Leave me alone. Uh, I'm kidding. No, I'm very interested in this. I'm just very excited in the new me that I'm building. I am too. <laughs> or more the the outward wardrobe to reflect the the already existing new me. Yeah, the evolved the, you. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is right now I'm wearing all clothes that I owned before the pandemic, but in a weird way they like I just feel like I'm. I have more swagger all of a sudden. Yeah. So they feel new. <laughs> and like having this new wardrobe has made the pieces that I'm that I've decided to keep feel like they because they're part of a new collection, they are themselves reborn. Yeah. And anyway, I just recommend if you uh if you're feeling like uh stagnant or nervous about the world opening back up. Get rid of a shitload of your old clothes and get some new ones if you can afford it. Because it really has made me so excited. And I feel I definitely need to keep an eye on um, this possible shopping addiction I've developed. (laughs) But in the meantime, it's new clothes that I definitely did need. Yeah. And I'm just excited to uh, not just have a bunch of cheap, fast fashion in my closet. I got it. I got it. I'm in the same boat right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, we're gonna look so good all summer. No, my hot take. Oh my god, Olivia Rodrigo, absolutely Woo. pumping out hits. We are watching a pop star form before our, our very eyes. eyes. It's like when Ariana Grande hit the scene. Yeah, it really is. I'm obsessed with Deja Vu. Such yeah, a good song. So good. Driver's License still slaps, even though I did definitely overplay it when it first came out. So I like I do skip it sometimes now, but. That's what's going to happen with Deja Vu. Yeah, I've been listening to it on repeat. Album. I know. I'm, I'm seriously so excited to see what this uh, what this girly has in store. Oh, my God. And it's going to come out probably this summer, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. We're going to have a fucking Olivia Rodrigo oh my summer. God. Us driving in my car with the windows down to Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Sorry. My eye is pouring out tears right now. Yeah. Why? What's up? I have allergies today. I'm sorry. Real bad spring allergies. I'm, I'm a fall allergies girl. I, so we're just going to be sniffling yeah. <laughs> our way through this whole season i'm um unfortunately both it's fucked up <laughs> yeah i hate it um but yeah olivia rodrigo's absolutely a legend in the making and i'm really pisces queen really and Puerto digging Rican. yeah i'm just really digging it i'm excited to see what she has in store so i guess that's my hot take oh also demi lovato's um new song uh, Dancing with the Devil is really good. And I watched the documentary and it was also pretty good. It was weird because she's just done so many tell-all interviews now that I'm like, oh, so now this is the truth about the truth that was actually a lie last time. Like, it just feels like such a like, yeah. I'm like, girly, maybe you just do this growth in private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and she did this Joe Rogan Wait, interview. Wait, hold on. Elisa, can you speak into the mic? <laughs> Elisa agrees with me is what... <laughs> I told Elisa she was being insensitive, but what to, about the Demi Lovato thing? Yeah, listen, I, I I like that she's being destigmatizing about her situation. It's honestly not the fact that she's talking about the overdose. I think that's not an overshare at all. She's just saying a lot of things about her life and about addiction in general that I feel like are still kind of half-baked thoughts that she has too much influence and um, too much like riding on uh, every word she says Mm -hmm. for her to like 
say some of these things. No, I agree. I also haven't watched the documentary and I don't really listen to any of her interviews. So And I... that's honestly like I think her song and the fact that she's being so open about what happened is nothing but good. I don't think that she should be like not talking about it at all. Yeah. I just like she went on the Joe Rogan podcast and she talked about um how she was bullied as a teenager and how that's like a huge part of her eating disorder and her um addiction. And then she goes on to tell the story of like what the bullying circumstances were. And it's like, oh, I mean, it sounds terrible, but it's also like, that's what high school and middle school is. And she, in the story, the bullying started when she called another girl an annoying bitch. Uh. And so I'm like, you, I mean, I get it. I I 100% been there, but like, I don't, I now spend a lot of time kind of unpacking the chip on my shoulder that I have against my, bullies slash you know just enemies of high school and thinking about how i maybe contributed to the situation and it's so clear that she really hasn't done that (laughs) um soul searching and she kind of claims that she has like she apparently called one of the girls to apologize for calling her an annoying bitch and then (laughs) and then the girl was like oh my god demi lovato like i didn't know you even remembered me and then demi just got mad at her all over again because she's like oh now this girl just wants to like catch up because i'm famous and like this isn't gonna go anywhere i'm like girl you didn't call her to get an apology from her you called her to apologize to her so how she reacts is none of your business actually yeah like that's you know like and once again once again been there yeah. But it's just like, I'm not Demi Lovato. Well, that's like, so I'm not going on the Joe Rogan podcast to talk about it and project myself as like this victim of a situation that is like clearly just a fucking shitty high school experience and cannot stress enough that I feel for her and yeah. that that sucks. But she's got this like victim mentality that I think is like not healthy to project to like the whole world and then have like a documentary about how that like fucked up her whole life. And I'm like, actually there's like so much that you still need to work on before you like, like present this to us. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. I do. Um, so I'm very, very grateful for how she is destigmatizing her addiction problems and her mental health problems. And honestly also destigmatizing the fact, cause she's like California sober. So she mm-hmm. smokes weed now. Um, and you know, a lot of people have been judging her for that. And I really respect how open she's being about that and how she's like, actually, I think it's like only helpful for people to hear that there's more than one way to recover from addiction. Yeah. And, um, you know, like people are going to judge me and think that I'm doing this wrong, but like, it, like I just feel uh, that I should be honest with everyone and this is my truth. Yeah. And I'm like, that fucking rules. Love that. But also some of the shit just needs to maybe just be worked on in therapy for a little bit longer. I think she's – it's just been too many times now that she's like had her tell-all interview moment. Yeah. I, like, I, hear, I hear that. Put it back in the oven. Let it bake for a little <laughs> bit longer. <laughs> what we want is a tell-all interview from Britney, okay? We don't need Seriously. 40 from Demi Lovato. I also love that, <laughs> that when we met someone the other night who thought that Demi Lovato was dead this whole time. Oh, yeah. Wait, who, who was that? <laughs> Her name was Jasmine? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, she was like, there Demi Lovato's tell. alive? I thought she died. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's what the song is about, actually. Because yeah. <laughs> the song came on and she was like, Demi Lovato? Didn't she die? And I'm like, no, actually. But if you listen to the lyrics, she tells you all about it. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, that's my hot take. Um, that and Olivia Rodrigo. 
Because those are the two songs that came out this week. <laughs> I love that. Uh, what's the fuck up of the week? I kind of, I mean, this is something that not a lot of people paid attention to. So this might just be like very much uh, a reflection of how online I am. But I think the fuck up of the week was Nikita Dragon. Um, oh, and Trisha Paytas. And Trisha Paytas. That was yeah. the fuck up of the week. Yeah, I would agree with that. Kind of on both of their parts. But Tr- Trisha, I was on her side, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, she got like manic with it, but I don't. She didn't really do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, but like she clearly saw it as a mistake because oh, she, yeah. she posted all these tweets that was like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone there. Like, yeah. whatever. Anyway, well, she you, wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. No, but I, I appreciate that Trisha, I appreciate an evolved queen and that she was like, at the, like getting into a Twitter fight is not the mood anymore. And I shouldn't have done that, even if she was right. Yeah, I, I'm like. That's true. It's not a, it's not a vibe to get into a Twitter fight. So yeah. <laughs> agree. But yeah, anyway, if you don't know, Trisha Paytas and Nikita Dragon, who are both just like influencers slash kind of manic personalities on YouTube, um, got into a fight on a trans visibility day. Yeah. And Nikita Dragon is a trans woman. So she kept trying to make Trisha out to be transphobic for calling her out on trans visibility day. But if you actually like look at all of the tweets, Nikita tweeted at Trisha first. Yeah. <laughs> so Trisha was like, I'm literally just responding to you. It yeah. has nothing to do with you being trans. You're just a bad person. Yeah, I loved that. And I'm like, that is trans visibility. Okay. Yeah, Sometimes seriously. trans people are also bad people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, just like messy drama on Twitter was, I think, the fuck up of the week. I agree. I'm sure there was something political, but I don't feel like talking about it. No, no politics. <laughs> no. Um, but I stay uh, obsessed with Trisha Paytas at the moment. I'm sure she'll fuck up soon, but like... Yeah, we all do. But that's why she's kind of like, for me, she's a little bit of like the mascot of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she like fucks up so much, but she also like keeps learning from it and growing uh-huh. very publicly. And I'm like, that's... That's like all we want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Trisha Paytas, come on the pod. Come on the pod, Trisha, <laughs> please. Uh, you know you want to. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of trans visibility... Yeah. We're talking about Janet Mock today. Oh, we are talking about <laughs> Janet Mock today. Yes, we're talking about Janet Mock. Um, and some may call it an embellishment. Some may call it a lie. Some may say that it's fine. Um, her completely changing her uh, actual real-life narrative arc um, but for, her to, for her for the um, follow-up to her memoir, Redefining Realness. And the follow-up is Surpassing Certainty. So we dive into that, um, which I'm excited for. Yeah. Janet Mock, come on the pod. J- Janet Mock, Janet Mock had a cool pod, and it was only one season. I don't know what happened. I hate that. It was called So Popular. I hate when there's great podcasts that only was, have a season. I'm just like, just keep releasing. She talked to people about, I'm now I remember she would talk to people about their fuck-ups. Oh. <laughs> she had Lena Dunham on. Hey, Janet, we copied your podcast. Yeah, we come copied your podcast. Pod. Come on the pod. <laughs> that was our mistake. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Love you. Love you. We love uh we we love most of the people that we uh, outline their mistakes. So yeah. this is not a drag. This is just Yeah, no, it's always from a place of love. It's honestly a celebration yeah. of the human condition, which is to continually fuck up until we die. Yeah. <laughs> All right, get into it. Bye. Listener mistakes.
Okay. Um, so this listener mistake is an exciting one. It's being brought by um brought to you by a mom of the pod. Yeah, mom of the pod has written in. This is a mistake that my mom has told me about, but not all of the details. Um, and I'm really excited to hear it. So I'm forcing Nika to be the one to read it. <laughs> Let's do it. Do we want to say your mom's name? Um, I mean, she's just my mom. Okay. I don't I mean like Le- yeah, yeah, true. You're right. Yeah, she's just she's her mom. <laughs> yeah, right, so- she has no other identity. Yeah, <laughs> she's so this just is mom. my mom. No, I mean, I just she didn't say whether she wants her name read or not, but all people can like find out my mom's name probably pretty easily. So yeah. okay, so um, <laughs> when, a mistake or two. When I was almost eighteen and freshly arrived from Europe at a U.S. college, I was very lonely. This was before internet or cell phones. Calling homes was so expensive, my mom would panic after five minutes. My English language skills were good, but far from fluent. No one spoke my language. So when a guy was kind to me in the first couple of weeks and then wanted to date, I agreed. He seemed genuinely nice. He bought gifts and flowers and more, was patient with my taking it very slowly morals. Not much to complain about. Also, one of the ways I'm very different from my mom, her taking it very slowly morals. Okay. (laughs) All right. Apple falls very far from the tree. (laughs) Continue. I guess the first red flag was that he was too nice and generous too quickly. And the next red flags were some weird and some gross macho habits to show his toughness around friends. The next one happened in a conversation about sex where I told him I was not ready and would wait with sex until marriage, a mistake in and of itself, but sound judgment in this case. He said not to worry because he could not rape anyone as he needed the girl's assistance in the act. Who says that? Had he tried this and failed? Anyway, after about six weeks, I was cl- it was clear to me I should not be in a relationship at all, so I broke it off. I had made some friends in the meantime, and he and I could be friends as well. Next thing I knew, I'm sitting around with a few friends, and he walks by and stops and tells me he had just been laying down on the railroad track for three hours, but no train came, and he finally got tired of waiting to be killed and came back to campus. He begged me to get back together with him. Being young and naive, and a people pleaser and conflict avoider, I tried to console him and later agreed to keep seeing him. After a week or so, I realized this was a stupid thing to do, and I carefully broke it off again. He seemed to accept it at first. Fast forward a couple of weeks, and another guy starts flirting with me, and I start casually hanging around with him. It turns out, by the way, that the second guy was interested in me because the ex-boyfriend had been lying and bragging about my amazing European sexual skills. Now my previous boyfriend got quite angry. He started stalking me around campus, threatened me in front of classmates that he would kill me. My friends started accompanying me wherever I went as they were afraid for me. It occurred to no one to report this guy. Times were different. Also, I was not as afraid as I should have been. Soon after that, he broke into my room numerous times and stole the presents he gave me. A few days after that, he broke into my room again and stole my passport and wrote a nasty letter to my mother and mailed them to her. This he apparently regretted almost right away, and he broke into the student union building that night and turned the mailbox upside down until he retrieved the letter. Oh my god. <laughs> By now I was aware he was a psycho, but it was Christmas break and I felt camp and I and I left campus for a few weeks. After I returned, he seemed to have calmed down as he had found another European girl to focus his attentions on, and he returned my passport to a friend. I sighed a big sigh of relief, except for worrying about the new girl. 
It was not until decades later when I did a training in domestic violence that I realized I had been a victim in an abusive relationship. My first mistake was to date the first nice person who paid attention to me instead of taking some time making friends first. I now know that abuser types prey on vulnerable people. My more problematic mistake was to agree to date him again after his manipulative suicide attempt. Another mistake was not reporting him to campus administration and security. I was incredibly lucky that it did not end more tragically. Did I learn my lesson? Apparently, not as many years later, as, apparently not as many years later after the divorce and after professional training about abusive and problematic relationships, I dated another guy that, while not abusive, had plenty of red flags I ignored. He was so needy. He competed for my attention with my kids. True. <laughs> that is another one I should have broken off at the first signal of that issue, but I did not. My moral of this story, watch for red flags and and that subtle feeling of this is wrong and not to what you want to believe is true. He loves me so much. (sighs) Yeah. I <laughs> relatable queen first of all relatable I feel like everybody queen. has some kind of story like that unfortunately we shouldn't but we do absolutely <laughs> I have also been there I ignore red flags all the time yeah um wow your mom is a very interesting person <laughs> so multifaceted yeah so layered there's layers to this um exotic European girl <laughs> I love I love that this guy like was kind of um had like a type of just like random European lonely girls on <laughs> campus um, in this like random college in, in Iowa. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to find the like four Europeans and I'm going to stalk them. Love um, that. But yeah, I remember my mom telling me versions of this story throughout my life to kind of just warn me about like men being manipulative. So it's nice that she like wrote out the full story because I'd never really heard it like chronologically like that yeah but yeah yeah. fuck that guy i hope that other girl is okay yeah i hope he um either learned the error of his ways or is just uh not harming anyone yeah i mean (sighs) writing a letter letter to her parents is a different level (laughs) yeah psychotic but i mean i guess it's good that he got it out of um the mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it also funny. Like that is that's also um just hilarious. Uh that like how he did it is like also um unhinged. Anyway. Anyway. Um also shout out to my mom uh acknowledging that one of her first uh boyfriends after the, the divorce low-key sucked. I agree. <sighs> He, like, got really jealous when she, like, paid attention to me. And I was like, I'm her 13-year-old daughter, oh so I, I already win by default, pal. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. But, yeah, okay. look out for those red flags. Deep dive. Deep dive. My deep dive has nothing to do with this. (laughs) My deep dive, I wanted to keep it lighthearted and quick because I knew we'd be reading my mom's um, listener mistake and it was, you know, not super long, but on the longer side. So I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. (laughs) Um, I told you about this already, but I'm now going to tell it on the pod. Um, So when I was like 15-ish, I had a group of friends that... um, 
there's like one member of which was like a lot older than all of us. Um, I met her when I was 12 and she was like 16. So like, you know, she wasn't in, in today's, like as an adult, she's not crazy older than me, but when Uh we were teenagers, she was like older and more, um, I don't know the one that I was like seeking approval from a lot. Mm -hmm. And she was also very mean. Uh, um, which is I think also why I was seeking approval from her. So at this point, I guess I'm 15 and she's like 19 and we're at um her house and we uh get really high together and like pass out on the guest bed in her in her house. Like not we're for some reason not in her room. And so it's like this bed um that is like just like kind of an uncomfortable, like lumpy futon mattress. Mm-hmm. And I wake up (laughs) at like 7 a.m. having fully pissed myself in my in my sleep. And I'm like, oh, my meanest older friend is right next to me. Um, And like of all friends, like you don't want anyone to know that you pissed the bed. But like of all friends, I don't need this bitch knowing I pissed the bed, you know. So she sleeps like a rock, though. So I was like. I was like, okay, it's early in the morning. She's probably not going to wake up on her own right now. So if I just sneak out of the room, like I'll be able to figure something out. So I like tiptoe out of the bed and I go downstairs. I like put a like sweatshirt around my waist because these are the only pants I have with me too. Mm -hmm. I don't have a change of pants. I just have the pants that are on my body. I put a sweatshirt around my waist and I go down to the kitchen and her parents are there (laughs) or like, yeah, her dad and stepmom are there. Just like, God bless them, enjoying their like early morning. <laughs> I probably like reek of piss, honestly. Oh, no. But I just, I've been there. I like march, march to the fridge and I open it, and they always had a ton of Gatorades. And I was usually a more meek guest where I'd be like, Oh, I'm like thirsty. Do you maybe have anything? Like, I, but this, I was like, I'm grabbing a Gatorade. Like, I just was like announcing to them, I'm like, I need a Gatorade. Oh, <laughs> I don't think they were bothered, but yeah. it's still like you know it was out of character for me because i was just like not somebody who would just help myself to somebody's gatorades yeah but i grabbed this blue gatorade from their fridge or yeah it was some bright color i think it was blue and i go back up and i like tiptoe back into bed and i like lay i like I, i don't lay down but i like make a point to like kind of um like sit down on the bed, like to announce that I have just gotten back from the kitchen. And then in that moment, I like dropped the Gatorade bottle on top of the pee on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But (laughs) to like cover the pee in Gatorade and then be like, Oh no. Oh fuck. I'm so stupid. I just spilled Gatorade all over your bed. I'm so sorry. And then she wakes up and she's like, Oh, that's okay. Like this is the guest bed. It doesn't matter. Like, let me grab a towel. And so then I like strip the bed and like the wet spot is presumed Gatorade now. And she puts a towel over it. And I then excuse myself to the bathroom and I take my jeans that I was wearing that I pissed myself in and I put them under the tap so that the whole, they're all wet. So Uh there isn't like a wet spot on them. And then just make sure I made sure in the ride home that like, she just didn't touch my pants and wouldn't know that they're wet. And they just looked a little bit darker. Oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. And I think I got away with it. Oh, this actually relates in many ways to what we're talking about today. I love this. Um, 
That's so funny. I've been there so many times. I like pissed on everyone's bed and couch and including my own. My sister who's in the room can attest to this. Um, A somber nod from Elisa. (laughs) Sorry to the Macaulay family for pissing on your couch for years. Took them years to find out. Um, Anyway, listen, much like you... um, uh, uh, manipulating uh, a situation and creating a narrative <laughs> that worked for you that wasn't um, actually true but allowed you to take control of what you wanted the world to see. <laughs> this relates to Janet Mock. Best mistake. Trans activist, author, producer, director, screenwriter. Um, You've seen her direct episodes of the show Pose. You have seen her in the uh, HBO documentary Disclosure. You have seen her in many interviews. You've seen her uh, get into a fight with Piers Morgan. (laughs) Um, You have likely read one, if not both of her memoirs, uh, the first being Redefining Realness, which came out in 2014. The second one being the follow-up, which um, was actually, it serves as a a prequel to the later half of the first book um, called Surpassing Certainty, which came out in 2017. Um, So she has been around for quite a while. Um, 2013 is when she kind of first hit hit the waves. Um, she redefining realness, um, actually started out as a longish article in Marie Claire, which she had been a regular contributor for. She wrote it after she came out to, I believe it was the editor in chief of Marie Claire, who was her close friend for years. She came out to her as trans, um, and was encouraged to tell her story in this article for Marie Claire. And then the article was turned further turned into her memoir um so redefining realness is split into it's it's split into like three narrative arcs um it's from it's all about her uh, very young girlhood teenagehood um and then eventually her early college years um as a trans woman, her understanding herself and coming to know herself as not just a trans woman, but a black and indigenous Hawaiian trans woman, um, her relationship um, with uh, two parents who were um, not exactly present, both struggled with drug problems, um, you know, a narrative of the abuse that she faced, um, but persevering in the end through um through all of it and becoming this strong unapologetic woman that we now know her as today um and a the last chunk of the book um ends with her graduating from the University of Hawaii for her undergrad and moving to New York and going to NYU where she goes stealth um which for those of you who don't know what stealth means um it is a term for when a trans person leaves the life that they had had and, you know, moves somewhere where they're able to start over. And if they're able to pass as a cis person, um, then they just live their life as a cis person, presumably, and they don't tell anyone. So she did this for like about, I think, if not 10 years and a little bit under 10 years in New York. Um, and the book starts out with her um, meeting her now ex-husband, 
um, Aaron, um, but at the time, who would become her husband a few years after the book was was published, um, meeting him and it kind of um, it, it leading to her having this awakening where she wants to tell him because she's in love with him that she is trans. And then she starts telling us this whole life story. And then it ends with her um, telling him and they end up together and they live happily ever after. Um, And, but the, what happens basically what leads to this is that she moves to New York as this like alone, single young trans woman who had no like, no one really to support her except her like family's emotional support. And she had never been loved or seen by a man and had only suffered, um, you know, traumatic experiences at the hands of cis men. And that's why when she meets Aaron, every trans girl that read that book was collectively our hearts burst and we're like, Oh my God, like this can happen to us too. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Well, then 2017 comes and Surpassing Certainty comes out. Lo and behold, Janet Mock actually had been married for a few years um, and was married when she met Aaron and was married before she moved to, to New York. Part of the reason that she moved to New York was that her marriage was ending, essentially. She, she starts... Um, she started dating when she was 20 and was working as a stripper. Um, a guy named Troy who was stationed in Hawaii with the Navy. Mm. They fall in love. They get married. They're both really, really young. Um, and they eventually end up growing apart. After some years, she moves to New York. They're still together, but not really she meets Aaron. He comes to New York. He meets Aaron after they start dating. And then she officially divorces him and they break it off. He goes on to get married and have a baby, etc. And she wasn't stealth to her first husband or do we? No. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's more context is that they started when they started dating. She um, she was stealth to him she was she wasn't telling him Mm. she already had bottom surgery but then she eventually told him um but she had kind of like she she was selectively she was selective about who she who she would come out to Mm -hmm. like her her friends and her family knew but most guys that she slept with she wouldn't tell his family did not know that she was trans um a lot of his friends for a while did not know that she was trans um but so she she had this whole life that she doesn't include in the book and it, but she includes it in the second, book. but includes it in the second book. Yes. After, and in the second book, she's like, so I lied or she just, so she like almost no context just gives you this new story. Yeah. She, she never is really like, Oh, by the way, she just kind of brings it up. And in the book at one point towards the end of the book, she kind of acknowledges like, Yes, I did. Um, I did change, you know, the timeline of, of the events of this story, but I did it just to make the narrative of the first book that much more powerful, which I don't know that lying about um, the entire trajectory of your life um, is making your story more powerful. I also think that you like it's unethical as a writer, as a as a memoirist and a nonfiction writer. It reminds me a lot of the author who wrote the book um, a, a Million Little Pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely, he wrote a memoir that was 
all bullshit that okay. he had promoted on Oprah and Oprah put it in her book club. And oh, then when no. she when she found out that he lied, he she brought him back on the show to grill him. It's like just make a write a novel. Write a novel and or just be honest like it was 20 what what is that 3 3 years in between 2014 to 2017 mm-hmm. that's 3 years you have a mediocre mediocre how, how the fuck do you meteoric. say that word meteoric thank you rise to fame <laughs> because you write this book where the narrative is that you were this girl who who had struggled through so much and this is kind of like the trans experience right of like the the girl who you know the beautiful cis passing transsexual who Against all odds, prevails, meets the guy, he falls in love with her after she reveals himself to him. All the while, like, she had already had this experience with Troy. Yeah. Um, herself. Yeah. Hmm? You said himself. I don't want you to get Oh, I think I meant... Herself to him. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, herself. I don't I- think anyone would cancel you over that's very <laughs> obviously just you misspoke you. but yeah reveals I am, herself I am misgendering Janet Mock right now because I'm mad at her <laughs> edit that out edit that out I just we're gonna edit that out him um <laughs> um yeah it just it makes me very angry because like that the, redefining realness it was like solely responsible for me and like a lot of trans girls of our generation transitioning because it was mm-hmm. like the first book um, I mean, there have been books that have been written by trans women, but that was like, you know, I was 19 when that book came out. Um, and that book did become my blueprint for transitioning very down, like down to the very surgeon that I sought out that she had gone to. Like, I used that book as like my guidebook to yeah. transitioning. And a lot of girls did. And I felt, I feel like we were um, led uh astray under like false pretenses by a person who cared more about becoming famous uh and you know janet mock has always wanted to be like a pop culture critic and the way that she was able to get there is that she wrote a memoir and i it's almost like she used the community in a way and i I don't want to say that she hasn't done a lot of good for the community because she has but i just think it's like it's it just feels uh as i said unethical and like unfair and it puts like a bad taste in my mouth that yeah. she lied so deeply <laughs> about something and also apparently the lies are kind of continuing like there is a very well known um it's kind of like an open secret apparently in the uh, queer and trans community in new york that her husband aaron was actually like a beard like or she was his beard essentially and they were kind of like a publicity marriage interesting allegedly allegedly but this is what i've heard from multiple trans people who like have large platforms in the new york (laughs) scene so i i trust these people moral of the story you know i would say the fuck up was manipulating again a uh lying and manipulating a narrative um to her own advantage so that it would make her essentially pop off into stardom totally, yeah. um and not taking into account kind of the very um the way that she was she she claims that she knows that she's a role model for the trans community but at the same time she did that so it's not like in the words like one yeah it's like in the words of oprah so what is the truth <laughs> what is the truth Interesting. janet janet come on the pod yeah 
so uh, yeah moral of the story I would say um, if you want to change the timeline of events to, <sighs> to you know, change the impact of a story, that's fine. But make it a fictional yeah. character based on Or put you. a disclaimer in the first book. Yeah, or just say, like, this is <laughs> – well, is there a disclaimer? Do we know? No. Okay. And I, neither book is there a disclaimer. Interesting. And then, yeah, otherwise, I mean, you do have, unfortunately, a responsibility, no matter what community you're in, but especially communities that are so deeply underrepresented and, you know, more and more so represented now, but she's a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. So, like, when you're one of the few role models and um, visible figures in a underrepresented, marginalized community to take that responsibility a little bit more to heart more than um, what's going to like make you pop off as a celeb. Yeah. Also, I just want everyone to know I'm not trying to uh, cancel Janet Mock here. No, it doesn't sound like you are. I still love, admire, greatly respect and look up to her. Yeah, same. Um, I just think that, you know, that part is a bit um <laughs> no 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 don't touch it don't touch it um for the listener i'm just taking a, a quick picture right now of um what's going on with Lisa's hair she tried to take her hair tie out and it is fully tied to her hair and uh you know for lack of a better word. <laughs> oh, and we got it. And Just broke off a little bit. But we're we are back. And and, and we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what specifically about that lie, if I may, yeah. bothers you? Um, I it's just the um the idea that she made it seem like, you know, if you like it, it, it it's like very like rom-com, like he's just not that into you. Like you, you like go through it, you go through all of this trauma and all these bad things. But then in the end, like you are the girl who gets your happily ever after. And it's like, that may have been true that she got her happily ever after with Aaron, but she's the fact that she lied about, um, about the fact that she did have this person who like loved her and saw her and was there for her, Troy, even though he was imperfect. And when she's this like 20 year, 20 year old trans girl um, and sex worker, like it, it, omitting that from the book um, when so many like lonely, newly out trans girls who like just want to hear that they can have that when it like didn't actually happen that way for her has just always like really made me annoyed and has yeah. always pissed me off. Cause it's just like false. And it's like, I, you know, I know that that impacted me and I, it's, it's Janet mock is not responsible for my life for or the path that I go on. I don't feel that way at all, but I do think she has a responsibility to the community, to be honest. We all do about, um, where you were and exactly how you got there. Yeah, it's like people who are like self-made yeah. millionaires. And then it's like with a small loan of a million dollars. And like, for her, it's like with a small loan of a husband. Of already being loved and seen and appreciated. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's, I get that. Yeah. I wasn't, first of all, just to be clear, not doubting or disagreeing with it um, oh, as yeah. unethical. I just wanted to hear what specifically bothered you as a 
young trans reader. Yeah, no, I think that was a good question to ask. <clears throat> um, yeah, I wonder, you know, it's it's one of those things, though, where it's like, if she weren't part of this deeply underrepresented community, I feel like she, she could, could kind of fabricate shit about her yeah. life story and it wouldn't be irresponsible. So it's like, an, a, you know, an extra fucking. Yeah. Well, that's why I kind of get where she's coming from, where she like hasn't really said much. And, you know, I think she is probably coming from a place which I agree with, where it's like, I, I definitely want to say I don't think that trans people, regardless of their privilege or stature, need to necessarily represent the community because we're not a monolith as totally. trans people. But I, so I understand where she's coming from where it's like, I can really do whatever the fuck I want yeah. as a writer. I don't really owe anyone anything. It's just weird when it's coming from someone who's taken up so much space as like being like the premier activist of the community. <laughs> I was going to say, it's one thing when like Kim Petras does that. Yeah. Cause she's like, well, I'm just making pop music. Yeah. So I don't need to like, but Janet Mock is like, everywhere. but Janet Mock is, well, no that, but also the book is about, like, that book is so clearly reaching out to young trans people. Yeah. I mean, she literally it's, it's said different. that it should, it's dedicated to, like, to girls like us, which is right. about black trans girls. It's, like, different than, like, it's not like every trans person has the responsibility to represent every other trans person, including people like her who want to be at least part of representation for trans people. But it's, like, you know, if part of your whole thing is, like, reaching out to people who um, are looking for a role model and yep. kind of offering yourself as a role model, then yeah, you are representative. Yeah. Like not because there's a monolith, but because you've literally done outreach to these people that are looking for representation. Yep. So it's, I think definitely not about like holding her to this, like you have to represent all trans people. It's literally just holding her to the standard that she brought herself to by wanting to be yeah, exactly. role model. Very Virgo of her. <laughs> Oh my God, so Virgo of her. <laughs> she is such an icon though. And we, she is. we can't state enough how much we do adore Janet Mock oh, in, yeah. this, in, in this house. In this house, we love Janet Mock. And we Mock. also love, we kind of love a messy queen that like yeah. lies about her life story. Same. I think it's like, yeah, it, part of me is like, yes, go off. And the other, you know, bitter part of me is like, ew, I hate that. Well, yeah, it's like, it, you know, you feel personally, yeah. it's personal for you. It is personal. Yeah. Like cuts because, deep. Because that book meant a lot to you. Yeah. And you yeah, like, like my based Bible. Your own journey, your own journey off of her journey. Yeah. So then for that journey to have not been true is personal for you. Yeah. But on an impersonal level, it is like, you know, that's show business. Baby. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and that's called nuance. Janet Hawk, come on the pod. <laughs> come on the pod, Janet. Talk to us about nuance. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that does it. That does it. <laughs> <laughs> We're both so tired. We're so tired. Um, <laughs> So we're gonna we love you guys. Wrap it up. We do love you so much. Right into the pod. Uh, follow us on everything. Us. Um, yeah, we're best mistakes pod, pod at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Love you, besties. For yeah, we love you, besties. <laughs> Tell us about your little fuck-ups. We can't wait to read them. Bye. Um and only my mom or people of that uh, level of familiarity to us get to write in. That long. That length, <laughs> just to be clear. We are happy, hap, more than happy to read it from my mom. Also, my mom's like a good writer and it wasn't confusing to read. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you guys aren't good writers. No, yeah, you are. But sometimes people are a little bit more conversational in their typing style and it makes it harder to read out loud. But so anyway, we still stand by the request to keep your mistakes just a little bit briefer. Also, 
I think that would be better for you guys too. <laughs> I don't want this to feel like a homework assignment, you know? <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> we, I just want, I just want to hear. Writing papers here. I just want to hear about the time you pissed the bed, you know? Mm-hmm. I just want to hear about the time that you got stalked by a guy <laughs> in college. I want to hear about the oh. time you stole chorizo from a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about the time that you lied about your life story to millions of people in your first memoir. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so tell us about that. We love you, Bestie. We love you. Signing off, Bestie Anya. And Bestie Nika. <laughs> and bye. Bye.